I'm going to ask uh, our youth pastor uh, to come. He's going to minister the Word of God to us this morning. Next Sunday, next Sunday, I got a word that I'm going to preach and share some vision for the new year. I just want to encourage you to make sure you're here. Uh, it's going to be a great message and just going to share some things that the Lord's laid on my heart and just believing that the word is going to be just prophetic to our, our spirit, our soul, and, and just be powerful. But this morning, I want you just to open up your heart and just give Pastor Mike a great warm welcome to the pulpit. He, um, when I was on my sabbatical, I mean, he preached like six, well, seven times in a short amount of time. So uh, this has been a, been a while since you preached here. <laughs> so God bless you. Pastor Richard, for this privilege. It really is a privilege. It's an honor to be able to um, have the pulpit, to, to look into God's word. And, and I really believe God has something for us this morning and something for us this year. And what an amazing way to start off the first Sunday of the new year with just worshiping God and feeling his presence. Um, and as Pastor said, you know, we are going to be doing prayer and fasting. We have to have both together if we really want God to break things. And so if you didn't get one, this morning, you can get one on your way out. We will also have them on Wednesday night. And they are also, all the info on here is on our app. Um, and so just look over this. What we have is some tips for prayer and fasting. We have the schedule of our prayer here at the church and the times. We also have some key reasons to fast. And this is just to help you. Whether you've been serving God your whole life or you're new to this, this is going to help you kind of just look through it and be prepared. Amen? Some of the tips are just simply easy. Block out time over meals to worship and pray rather than filling them with tasks. Sometimes when we fast, we, we just fill it in with more time and more TV and more things. But during a fast, take that time where you would normally be eating and, and worship and praise God. Every time you grow hungry, just acknowledge God's presence around you because you're going to be hungry. Read the scriptures to give food to your spirit. Go into the fast with a purpose. This is important. Don't just do it because the church is telling you. Go in with a purpose and believe in God to do something. You may want to have a couple or a situation or, or people in your life that you are praying for breakthrough. When you are hungry, pray for those, in people, those people in those situations. And so you're going to be hungry a lot. Fasting for me, the hardest day is day one. And so um, every time you get those hunger pains, it's a time to really reflect and pray for those situations. Amen? And then lastly, just come and be part of praying corporately throughout your time on the fast. And so some of you married couples who have children, do what Tara and I do. We, sometimes we can't get sitters for all seven days, so you might see me one night, you might see Tara one night. But someone stay home and babysit, the other go pray and intercede and keep swapping. But we want to see this place full of people coming out to pray, believing that God is going to do something. Amen? And so the message that... I had t entitled, and it, this is just a, a God thing, and, and Pastor Richard kept using that word throughout his exhortation as he was just encouraging us, and it was that word break. And, and so the title of this message this morning is Breaking Point. It's Breaking Point. And as you go through this half sheet, I really want you to take the principles from God's word this morning and apply that as you prepare for the fast in the next few days, as you go through the fast during the seven days, and then post-fast, after the fasting and prayer, because God is going to move mightily even after. Amen? And so breaking point, Isaiah, if you could just put that definition up of breaking point. Breaking point is this, the moment of greatest strain at which someone or something gives way. The breaking point is the moment of greatest strain at which someone or something 
gives way. We need to have a breaking point in our church this year. We need to have it corporately, but most importantly, it needs to be individually. We need to come to a point where we have a breaking point before God for him to do a work in our lives. Amen? And that will filter through us and then into our families, into our relationships. And then as we come together corporately, God is going to move together through 2020. Amen? If you could open up your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Mark in the ninth chapter, starting in verse 14. And as we go through this scripture, we're going to pull out some principles that are going to help you understand why we pray and fast, what we can expect when we pray and fast, and then how we can continue to allow the Spirit of God to use us even after this fast. Amen? Last night we had a group here just praying our intercessory prayers the first Saturday of every month at 6 o'clock. And and as I was praying, I really believe we're going to do something a little different at the end of the service that I just want to be obedient to God. And, And so I have an illustration here. And there are things that I was praying just over the church. We've been praying in staff meeting that we believe God not only wants to, but needs to break off people in our church. Amen? And so what I did is we're going to break things today at the end of service. So on these slabs, I have written seven things that the Lord wants to break this morning. And what we're going to do is once these are broken, once these slabs are broken, we're going to put them at the altar. And we're going to just have a time at the end, just for a few moments, where we begin to pray and really believe God to not only break these things off of people in here, but to break these things off of the people that we have been praying for for years. And I just believe it's going to be symbolic that God is going to do just that. But it's only going to come through prayer and fasting. Amen? There are certain things that God can do in our prayers, but when we add fasting to it, it just changes everything. Amen? Mark 9, 14 says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out 
by anything but prayer. And some of the translations say prayer and fasting. And that is just what we're going to do as we enter into this fast. We're going to believe for God to break things off of us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you just for your sweet presence that was here this morning. This is your house, God. We are guests in your house, Father. We bring you glory and honor as we take time to understand your word. We pray that as the word goes out, open up our ears and our minds to understand it. Help us to apply it, God. And I pray that as we enter into this fast, God, that everyone would take part in it somehow. Father, we just praise you and thank you that your word is powerful, that it is active, that it is living. God, help us to make it relevant to our situations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I'm... So thankful for, for our pastors, for pastors Richard and Lisa. I've been in ministry a lot. I've, I've had internships. I've seen a lot of pastors. And, and, and I just praise God for all the people he's put in my life to mentor me, to pour into me. And being able to be at Victory, to be on staff is such a privilege for us. And one of the things of, um, that I always admired about them is their life of prayer. And, and, and coming as Tara and I were dating and just getting to see it from the seats, but then coming as Tara and I got married and they were able to be a part of our, our wedding and then being able to come and be on staff here, I've been able to see it on deeper levels. And they pray for you. They believe that God is going to move mightily. And, and 30 years of God's faithfulness, God can do more in 2020 than he's done in the past 30 years if we believe it. And the amount of time that they pray for you and just want you to believe that God can move God can move mightily, but it's up to you with what you're going to do with your life and the things that you're going to change for there to be a breakthrough. And here it says in verse 14, and when they, so this is Jesus and a couple of his disciples. It says when they came down, it says when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd. So what did they come from? They came from this amazing time where Jesus was transfigured. These disciples were able to see Jesus in a whole new way. God opened up the skies and he spoke to them clearly and they could hear it. It was an opportunity that no one else on earth has been able to see Jesus in his full glory. And sometimes in our lives, when, even when we fast, even when God has done great things, it's so hard to sometimes come down from the mountain. It's hard to come out of the clouds and come out of God's presence because then you have to deal with people. And for me, being in the ministry as, as little as I have compared to a lot of the pastors that I've known, it's amazing, it's amazing to see longevity because honestly, people can wear you out. People's situations, people's unbelief. When you are called to preach the word and you preach it and believe that there's power and authority and then you see people leave unchanged because they're not changing things in their lives, I can't imagine the years of that happening. But even for church people, when God is moving in our lives, when we hear him speaking, when, when we come out, when we, we feel like we're in that, that moment of transfiguration, it's always hard to come out because then you have to deal with life. You have to deal with people. You have to deal with bills. You have to deal with situations at your job that haven't changed. But God has given us power and authority for when we come down from those times. And for Jesus, he could have stayed in heaven. Everything was perfect. He didn't need to experience pain. He didn't need to experience loss. But he chose to come down out of perfection to come into a world of darkness. And we as believers in 2020, we have to believe that God is going to break through in our lives, but also that he's going to break through into the lives of people that he sends us. And we can't have our heads in the clouds ignoring the people at the bottom. 
even though there was this amazing encounter with God on the mountain, it says that when they came down, a great crowd around them, the scribes were arguing with them. How frustrating is this? You think of a Moses who just, who's fasting, and he's, God is giving him the law. He's, he's experiencing God's presence. He's being hidden in a cleft, and God literally passes by him. And he comes down ready to give the people a word, and they formed a calf, and they're worshiping it. Sometimes when you come off of a high, when you come off of a mountain, when you come out of a fast, sometimes situations don't change. But we have to believe that God has given us a word and authority for those situations. Amen? Amen. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Now, if you have any brothers and sisters, I know the context of this. It's like you're fighting over the most ridiculous things. The things my twin brother and I would fight over were just, I mean, it was unbelievable. I look back and I'm like, what were we thinking? But there's times where we were fighting and my mom comes in and pulls us apart and just says, what are you arguing about? And we wouldn't even want to answer because we knew it was so foolish. (laughs) And so Jesus, he comes down, these people are arguing And just to give context, we have a boy who is demon-possessed. This is where it gets real, church. This boy is dealing with real issues. He's sick. He's throwing himself on the ground. He's screaming. He's convulsing. This is a scene. And so this father brings them to the disciples who who were known to be followers of Christ. And he asks them to pray over him and to cast the demon out. And the Bible doesn't give details for how it happened, how long they prayed, or how they did it. But it tells us that they tried to do it, and nothing changed. And so Jesus comes down, and he sees this arguing, and he says, what are you arguing about? And the funny thing is, no one answered him. The scribes didn't answer him. The disciples didn't answer him, because they were probably embarrassed that they couldn't do it. So it's almost that look of shame of, okay, Jesus is here. We've just been arguing, and now there's silence. But look what happens. Look who speaks. In verse 17, And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. I don't know about you, but in my life as a believer, I've had moments where I've prayed over things and nothing changed. I've prayed over people, over situations, believing that it was going to change, and nothing changed. It didn't mean that I was any less spiritual, but I believe that there are things that we need to be doing as believers, disciplines that we need to have in set, praying and fasting, that I believe will release that authority when the time comes. This doesn't mean that as a church we need to go out looking for demons. That's not what we need to do. But if people are going to be coming into our church in 2020, we need to understand that we have the power and we have the authority to cast whatever it is that the enemy is holding over their life. But Jesus says this kind can only be done by prayer and fasting. I believe some of the things on these tablets, one of them is sick. It's supposed to say sickness, but I couldn't fit it on the slab. So sick just represents, this is modern day epilepsy right here. Now, please hear me out. I believe there are times when we do get sick. You need to prescribe medicine. You need to go to the doctors. 
I understand that. But there are times where people are sick in their body because there is a demonic possession or something in them that is causing them to be sick. And what the world wants to do is they'll slap a prescription on it. But we as believers, we have to know when it's something of the enemy and when it's something in the body. You know, growing up in the church, we've all had the privilege of knowing church people. Growing up in the church, there was always that person who called everything of the devil. They'd come to church and, and say, I was late because I ran out of gas, and that's just the devil. Just He's trying to get me to, to, to be late for church and enter. And it's like, no, that's not the devil. He, the devil sometimes over there going like this. I had nothing to do with it. That's not the devil. That's you forgetting to put gas in your tank and doing, saving it to the last minute. Growing up, we always had those people. They just always attributed everything to the devil. Oh, I missed that sale of 50% off. That's the devil just putting spiritual blinders over me. Sometimes it's God allowing things in your life to show you it's you. It's not the devil. And so in the same way, we, we give too much credit to the enemy. Sometimes we don't give enough credit. We pass off people who are sick and who are dealing with things, and we just think, oh, it's because of sin in their own life. And it's th The enemy is real. His goal is to destroy us. Anything that looks like God, he hates. And we have to be a people who know the difference. Amen? We don't want to be a church where someone comes into our church with something, and they leave, and they say they weren't able to do anything for me. Is that what we want to have? over us going into 2020. And I'm not saying that's where we are. I believe we're in the opposite. We, I believe people come into our church and they leave change the same day. Whether it's through our soup kitchens, whether it's through our life groups, whether it's through youth group, children's ministry, nursery, here on Sunday mornings, you guys are living examples of people who have come and encountered the power of God, where God has broken things off your life. But God wants to do even more, amen? He wants to break us out of our comfort zone and he wants us to be a church that can enable and see when it's the enemy and call it out for what it is. Amen? And look what Jesus says to them. He says, and he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Pastor Richard, I thank God for your grace over my life. Being young, I make mistakes. A lot. And it's amazing when I can sit with him and, and wrestle through these kind of things, and there's no condemnation. But to be able to have someone to sit across from who has a greater level of faith than I do, what it does is it helps me bring my level of faith up there. And from his perspective, he can get frustrated and just say, oh, my goodness, like, this is crazy. How can you not believe that? Do you know what God has done in your life? You need to be. But it's not that. But here we do see a moment where Jesus, he's frustrated. You want to know why? Because he's given the disciples, authority. He's already given it to them. Isaiah, if you could put up Mark 3, I believe it's 14 and 15. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. And look at the next verse. To have authority to cast out demons. They have authority to cast out demons, but they couldn't do it in this moment. And why is that? Because sometimes we can't just rely on the authority given to us. We have to install principles into our own life that will carry in to moments where God will use us and we won't doubt for a second that God will use us to break that free. 
And that's why Jesus said this, is the o- this only can be cast out by what? Prayer. By prayer, by fasting. We need to couple it together. Amen? As you know, I played, I played basketball growing up, and I really didn't start to, be, to get really good until like my, my uh, junior year in high school. But I remember my freshman year, I actually made varsity, and I wasn't very keen, my mind, and I, I took, it takes me a little longer to understand things than a lot of people. And so there was this drill called the weave. If you play basketball, you probably know it. It's an easy drill, supposedly, but this was a very scarring practice for me because for some reason I could not get the drill. And I have not forgotten the shame and the, the, the traumatic experience of what it was by being screamed at by seniors. They would literally start the drill, and me and my, uh, a couple of my friends who also made varsity, who were freshmen, we just couldn't get the drill. So we would get halfway into it, and then we'd drop the ball, we'd mess up. And literally from the sideline, seniors and juniors are screaming at us, yelling at us, like, why can't you get this? You're wasting our time. And the coach would not let the drill continue until we got it. It must have been for 20 minutes that we were trying to get this one drill done. And I was so embarrassed. I was so frustrated because I knew I was messing up everyone else. I knew that in the game, if I didn't get this, then I would mess with the flow of the team. And I remember when we finally got it, we weren't really happy because they were finally cheering, but they were, fi- they were cheering because we could get off the court and they could continue with practice. But I've never forgotten that practice. I've scored 1,000 points in my career. I've had awesome things happen, but that practice I've never forgotten because it was traumatic and it was embarrassing. And I think sometimes when Jesus knows that he gives us authority and when we can operate in that authority and do what he's called us to do, but we don't do it, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be because it's just that easy. But if we don't have the principles in our lives and we're not disciplined, then we're going to come to a moment where people are going to come for help and we're not going to be able to recognize or cast out what they're going through. We need to have discipline in our life as a believer. We don't just fast this Thursday to next Wednesday. After this fast, you as a believer need to take time in your life. You don't need to tell other people. You don't need to put it on Facebook. But you need to take times to fast throughout the year to be disciplined. It could be one meal a day. It could be another week. It could be whatever you feel led to do. But you have to incorporate prayer and fasting in your life at every moment because you never know when God might bring someone to you. And they may need to rely on the authority that has been given to you. And you don't want to be caught with your hands down when Jesus says, what are you arguing about? And the disciples kept their mouth shut. After he says, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And it says, so they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him. So this is something that you have to understand. If you're here this morning and you are not a believer, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have to understand something. When you come into a place where God's presence is, he can break what the enemy has over your life. But there is going to be a last-minute battle for that. It says, as soon as the boy, as soon as, not the boy, the spirit in the boy saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Can you imagine this? Imagine this happening in a church service. We get so dignified sometimes, but if God is going to bring in people off the streets or bring in people who are lost, we can't get, we can't draw back from the unexpected. 
Jesus isn't freaking out. This boy is on the ground convulsing. He's screaming. He's foaming at the mouth. And Jesus isn't panicking. He isn't looking around for a senior pastor to come in. Look what he does. He says, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? So he asked his father. He asks questions as this boy is doing it. Because Jesus knows what is about to happen. He knows that this is going to be the last display of demonic possession in this boy's life. He knows that he's about to be free. But he asks the question that he already knows an answer to. Why? Because I believe this. The father said, from childhood. Jesus asked this question because he wants us to understand that it doesn't matter how long the enemy has been keeping you in bondage. doesn't matter if it's from childhood. But in one moment, God can bring deliverance if you've been suffering with something in your entire life. And it was often, and look what the father says. He says, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. This is an open look. It's the blue playbook into the devil's schemes. His mission for you is to destroy you, period. For some people, it's this boy, and it, it manifests in sickness. For some people, it's money. You keep getting more money, you may not be on the floor rolling around and gritting your teeth, but the more money you get, the more you think, I don't need Christ, and you stay in bondage. And again, money is not sin, but the love of money is, and it has captured so many people even in the church. For some people, it's a title. The enemy knows our weaknesses, and he will keep us in bondage. And that bondage might not look the same to the person sitting to the right or to the left of you. But if we are not saved, if we don't have Jesus going to bat for us, then the enemy will come into our lives, and he will possess different areas in our lives and try and keep us in bondage. And that mission for him is to destroy him. He used this boy's body. Can you imagine the, the pain on this father's face? Can you imagine the breaking point? He's at his breaking point. The disciples of Jesus couldn't cast him out. But then he sees Jesus come down. He's at his breaking point. Often, he says, it throws him into the fire. Imagine your child being thrown into water to try and be drowned, being thrown into fire because he's trying to destroy that vessel. And that's what the enemy wants to do. That is his main mission is to destroy anything that looks like God. He goes on to say, but if you can do anything, but if you can do anything, this is the start of something great. This is the start of breakthrough. It's believing that God can possibly do something. He says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, I command you. Or he says, all things are possible for one who believes. This was something that God gave me. You know, we, we think that Disney... Um, made the word believes. You know, they use that word all the time. I've been to Disney World. You just got to believe. You got to believe in the magic. You got to, no, that wasn't patented by Disney. I want you to look up, Isaiah, if you can put up that slide with the word believe. This is what the word believe means. To have faith and to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. If you're in here this morning and you don't believe in Jesus, it's not just this magical thing where, oh, I believe. 
When you believe in who he is based off his word and you put your faith into action, you are entrusting your spiritual well-being to Christ. I can think of no one better to entrust our spiritual well-being to Christ. And if you believe that this morning, but maybe don't fully understand things, that's okay. I didn't understand things when I first became saved, and I still don't. We may never fully understand all of God's ways and everything he has for us and why he does certain things. But if we believe that he can do things in our life and we entrust our spiritual well-being to him, then you become saved, understanding that it's he who saves us. Amen? And so he said to him, anything is possible to one who believes. You've got to entrust your spiritual well-being to Jesus. Some of you young people in here, you're entrusting your spiritual well-being or just your being to someone else, to another man or to another woman or to a job or to a future title. There is no fence in God's kingdom. Well, there is a fence, but you're either on it, you're on the other side where you're not a believer or you are. The fence and the other side where you don't believe, that's all one. There's no middle ground. And my prayer this morning is that you have that faith of this man who didn't fully understand Jesus, but he said, if you can, and Jesus said, if I can, anything is possible if you believe. And look what his response was. Immediately, the father of the child cried out. This is his breaking point. And he said, I believe. Help my unbelief. That needs to be our prayer as a church for 2020. For the situations that you've been praying for, I know there are people in here who have been walking with God for so many years and you've been praying for breakthrough and you haven't seen anything happen yet. Keep believing and ask God to help you in your unbelief. It's so funny. Sometimes the longer I feel like I walk with God, the more my unbelief kind of comes back with situations. Because when you first experience Christ, everything changes. You feel his presence. But the longer you walk with him, sometimes it takes a little bit more time, a little bit more discipline to experience what God wants to do in our lives. And even last night, I was praying, God, I really believe that these words that you have given me to put on these slabs are things that you're going to break off. But some of you have been struggling with sickness for 20 plus years. Some of you have been into pornography for 15 plus years and you've tried everything and you just can't break the cycle. And it's hard to believe, oh, so God's just going to do it right now. We need to believe and trust our faith and our spiritual being to Christ, but ask God to help us in our unbelief. Amen? Help us in the ways that are lacking. Amen? I was watching a, a message on prayer and fasting by Judson Franklin, and one of the things he said is he said, prayer and fasting is for the weak, not the strong. And I just thought that was so powerful. When we pray and fast, we're admitting that we're weak. And when you do it this week, whether you give up a meal, you do all seven days without eating, you're going to find yourself at weak times in the flesh, and it's a reminder that we are weak. And it has to be God who makes up the difference. Amen? That is the breaking point. Help me in my unbelief. And then look what it says. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. We aren't called as a church to go looking for demons. But if someone gets brought to our church, or you're in a situation where someone needs help, what you do is you call it for what it is, and no more. Jesus called the demonic person, whatever it was in there, for what it was, and nothing else. We don't want to be the, the, the sons of Sceva, I think in Acts 19, where they went looking 
for delivering and exercising demons. And they went to one and said, and, and basically the demon said, we know Jesus. We know Paul, but who are you? And it says that they overpowered them. And they beat them and they ran out of the house naked and ashamed. We don't want to go looking for things. But what's amazing is you look at the lives of these apostles and they did what Jesus did. Jesus just walked. He, he was with people. And when people recognized that Jesus could do things that other people couldn't, they brought the sick, they brought the lame, and they asked him. We're going to be a church where I believe the giftings are going to begin to come out. And pastor, that was one of pastor's prayer points, that he believes the spiritual giftings to begin to come out. Because I know for them, they're tired of trying to ramp up the church by themselves. They want you to realize that you have a calling, that you have an ability, that Jesus gave you the authority and the power to do what Jesus has called us to do. Amen? Amen. And when we begin to recognize that, it no longer has to be us trying to convince you from the pulpit that you have it. It's going to become, these chairs are going to be filling up because people are going to recognize that things are happening at Victory that weren't happening anywhere else. And the gifts will begin to come out and we'll be able to speak to circumstances because not only do we believe, we recognize that we have the authority. Amen? It says, and after crying out and convulsing him terribly. So again, some of you are sitting in here. You have no idea what the Bible says. You don't understand it. You don't understand what Jesus is, but you're starting to take steps towards it. When pastor is preaching or praying, when anyone is up here, the enemy is grabbing a hold of your mind. He's doing everything that he can. This boy was about to experience breakthrough, and look what it said. It says, and after crying out and convulsing him terribly, this was probably the worst display that this demon did for this child, right in front of everybody. But look what happened after that. It came out. It shook him violently and terribly. Sometimes you think, my world is crashing because I'm taking steps to God. My, my bank account is crashing because now I'm starting to tithe. My, my family is falling apart because now I'm starting to set standards in my home that we need to be at church and to be at youth group and to be at children's ministry. You feel like everything's crumbling around you. Your friends are leaving you. Your people at your workplaces are looking at you differently. The moment before breakthrough is when the enemy will work his greatest to keep you where he has you. But if we believe and entrust our spiritual well-being to Christ, then even in our unbelief, we can believe that God will bring about a breakthrough. And then it says, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. For those of you who are going to experience breakthrough before the fast, during the fast, or after the fast, when God breaks these things off of your life, it's going to change the way that you think, it's going to change the way that you look, and it's going to change the way that people look at you. Something will change, and people will see that, and they'll have never seen it before in your life. Look what it says here. It says, most of them said he is dead. They thought he was dead. They declared him dead. Young adults, youth. When you change things and God breaks things off your life, your friends will look at you and say, something is different about you. It's like you're dead. It's like you're not, you're not doing what you were doing before because they've never seen you delivered. They've only ever seen this boy possessed. They've only ever seen him making a scene, and, and they didn't know what he was like at peace. This boy was not dead. For the first time in his life, 
he was experiencing peace. I don't know about you, but if I'm being thrown into the fire and into the water to be drowned and being my teeth are gritting and that's happening my whole life, when that demon is out, I'm not going to be jumping up and praising God. I'm going to be sitting in that peace because I've never experienced it before. And that's what happens when you get delivered. You experience a peace and a freedom that you've never had. And people in your life who aren't saved, who don't recognize it, will call you dead. They'll cut you out. Most people. But this is where it gets important. Look who lifts them up. Not, no one went over to, to pull him up. No one went over to, to, to check his pulse. It says, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. When you are at that breaking point and God delivers you and you lose friends and you lose a mindset, you lose a perspective, you don't want anyone else touching you or picking you up other than the hand of Jesus. And that's just what he did. He went over and was the first point of contact in this boy's new life of freedom. Amen? And one thing that I love that he said is not only to come out of him, but never enter him again. Church, we have to be specific in our prayers. When you pray over people, don't just pray over that specific situation. Pray that it doesn't come back. Pray that it doesn't come back in their homes. Pray that it doesn't come back in their cars. When we, are, when we have the authority to, to deliver people, to break things off of people, we have to be very, very specific because the devil is a liar and he's a deceiver. If we just say, we, we pray to be cast off of you, then it's going to go run off somewhere else. Maybe to your family, maybe to another situation, and it's going to keep torment, tormenting you. Jesus said, come out of him and never return again. And that's the authority that Jesus has. We talked about this months ago when we said that when Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, that word destroy means he's fired. He's rendered, he's, he's unemployed. But he doesn't want you to know that. As soon as we begin to understand that and believe that, he's in trouble. This entire life he's being tormented, and Jesus says in one moment, a little Thanos snap, and the devil's gone. Never to come back. It says that when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I've seen firsthand what possession looks like, what it looks like when the enemy has a hold of somebody. Because of time, I won't go into all the details, but I shared it before. There was a moment where um, when Tara and I were living um, back in my hometown, she was getting up to go to work early in the morning. It was like 4.30 in the morning, and um, it just so happened that there was a person who was in the parking lot across from our house. He was actually looking for somebody to come and, and kill. He had a gun in his pocket. And, but he was also hopped up on some kind of drug. And so when Tara came out of the house, he just kind of assumed that this was the person. And so what he did is he pulled his car around and blocked her car in the driveway, basically tried to come and get her through her car window. And so she called me. I came down. I, I came out to the house, and I saw this just person standing there. He was probably about 5'10", and, and trying to get out my wife. And, of course, my first instincts are like, okay, this guy's 5'10". I'm going to take him if he tries anything. And I 
asked him what he was doing, and he just came up to me, and I remember the look that he gave me. He looked me in the eyes, and he says, I'm looking for my wife. And just the, the tone, the look that he had, the hairs of my neck went right up. And I said, okay, you need to back off. And I, be, I walked away from the house to, down the sidewalk, and I called the police. I said, you need to get a unit out here. This is, uh, some guy is here. He was trying to attack my wife. We have no idea who he is. Police showed up. One officer showed up, then a backup officer. And before you know it, they went to go grab this person to try and bring him over for questioning. And he swung right at the cop and tried to go right for the cop's gun. The cops jumped on top of him right in our front yard. They're wrestling. They're fighting. They pull out their, their mace. They spray him in the eyes, and he's laughing. He grabs the mace, wrestles it out of the cop's hand, and sprays one of the officers. And now at this point, instead of going for the gun, they're trying to protect their gun. And I'm standing there, and like, this is crazy. They could not subdue him. They had, one cop had his, 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 his um, ankles pinned down. The other cop had his torso pinned down. And he's doing, the cop who had his ankles are doing just baseball swings with the baton on his ankle to try and just get him to stop. And he's laughing, just screaming out, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to just, like, this is what he's doing. The other cop is literally just taking elbows and just blows to the head, and it's doing nothing. And I'm standing there thinking, should I help, should I not help? I know sometimes I don't want to, like, mess up what the cops are doing. I didn't, and so finally one of the cops looked at me and says, we need your help. <laughs> and so I just elbow and, <laughs> but that, that, just that word gave me authority to help them out. But let me tell you this, when I took his head and I pushed it down, I had, I had never felt someone so strong. And we are literally exerting ourselves. We're giving all our strength to just subdue him, and we, we're losing. So they hit their distress signal, and at that point, you know, uh, all the cops who are in range basically come to that area. And we are literally exhausted. And one of the cops, the one who was holding it, looked at me and said, you need to do whatever you can to get him to stop breathing. And the only thing I could think of was just taking my hands and just choking him out until he could, we, could, he could, we could release it. And I remember all he did was he flexed his neck and looked at me and just screamed. I looked into his eyes and saw something I had never seen before. Finally, I cannot believe how many cops showed up, canine units, and they dragged us away, and it took like 12, 13 officers to finally, I thought they just killed him because I looked over and just saw his body laying there finally. And I was talking with the officers after, and he was just saying, even when he went over to go, you could just feel him tense. And I thank God that they were there before I tried to do something, he tried to do something to me. We have to acknowledge that the enemy has power. But even as I was praying in the, in the um, cafe, the pastor came over and just prayed such an encouraging word over me as I was going to share. And I just began to break down, and the Lord reminded me of that situation. This happened years ago. We went to the courthouse, and we had to go the next week for a dangerousness hearing. And so Tara and I had to sit there, and we watched this person come out and change. His face was like black and blue because he was they had to basically beat him to the point where they could restrain him. And something happened in that courtroom that I just had never experienced. Usually when people, when things like that happen, there's an anger, there's a bitterness. We were so heartbroken for him. I can't even begin to tell you the feeling that we, we looked at him, we saw him in chains, we saw him bound, and the Lord just began to remind me that that's us. We are bound by things that we don't 
realize. And yes, they, he had to go to prison, and yes, things had to happen to his life. But God opened our eyes in that moment to see something spiritual. And I remember on the way home, we prayed for him. Even though Tara lived in fear for a little bit afterwards, we had to readjust. We prayed and we forgave him. And that only comes by the power of God. When he opens up our eyes to see past the, the facade, to see fat, past the symptoms, and to see the heart issue. And that's what God wants to do with us this year. Is he wants us to have eyes to see past the facade. To not look at this boy as the one who's crazy. Jesus saw him for what he was. He cast it out, and then he lifted him up. And so what I'm going to do as the worship team gets, can we pray, um, during the altar, I'd like to do the song, Sea of Victory. And that's what we're going to pray, and they're going to sing over you as you come to the altars. But right now, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to break these tablets. And, Pastor, I'm going to have you, as you are a shepherd, I want you to break the first one. Kelly, if you could hand us one. They break pretty easily, so you can come right up here. Whichever one you pick. Pornography. This is something that is killing our, our country. A billion dollar industry. A billion dollar industry that causes you to look at women or men or vice versa, that both men and women are struggling with. And what it does is pornography, it causes you to look at women or men as something to be wanted, like an item, like a hammer. But God wants to break that off of you. Pornography is just a branch. It's not the root issue, but it's something that is killing our generation. It's killing marriages. It's killing families. And God wants to break that off. But the root of that comes from sexual immorality. It comes from something that the enemy has a hold in your life. And God wants to break that. And he will break that in this fast if you bring it to him. So, pastors, you just, you don't even need to put much force, but it'll break right in half. I'm going to have you break them all, Pastor. And Kelly, what Kelly is going to do is he's going to put these at the altar. So as you come forward, if something you're struggling with here, you're going to use that as a reference to believe, to, to speak that over your life. Even if you don't think that God can break it, but from the message this morning, you have belief because of the word of God, then you're going to come forward and you're going to bring that to the Lord and have that expectation for the fast. Pride is a killer. Some of you will not come to this altar and still haven't since you've been coming to this church because you just think you don't need it right now. Pride is a killer of relationships, and it's a killer of your walk with God. Some of you need this broken over your life. Some of you know people who are struggling with this and need this. Come to the altar for them, but this is going to be broken in the fast. Anxiety. There's a poll in our country that in the past couple years, depression and anxiety is a high rise. And the enemy is holding you, but God is going to break that. If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, bring that to the fast. <clears throat> Sickness. Some of you are sick in here today. Now, please, please hear me. You may be sick because you're just sick. And we believe that God can bring healing to that. But some of you, just like that boy, the sickness is coming out as symptoms of what the enemy is doing inside. 
And if you want to be broken free from that, bring that to the Lord. Idols. Idols. This is especially for our culture. Idols are not wooden statues anymore. They're anything that you put before God. Television, media, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your job, your finances, anything that you put before God is an idol, and that's what you worship. God wants to break that off of you. <coughs> the issue with the Israelites wasn't that they, were, they turned their backs on God. They were worshiping other gods and trying to serve God. And you can't do both. Idolatry needs to be broken in some of you, and it will be. Greed, money, not just money either. Greed is, is, is looking at someone else's girlfriend or boyfriend or wife or husband and wanting it for yourself. Greed can be finances. It can be being greedy to just have it because you want it. But greed is something that the enemy works very subtly into the lives of not just the unbelievers, but believers as well. And God is going to break that during this fast. Lastly, deceit. Deceit was something I really struggled with. I knew how to lie to my mom. I knew how to lie and get my own way, and it was, it was bad. I was such a deceiver and a liar. And a lot of that came from things in my past, but it was something that God had to break. And the fact that I'm even standing here is by God's grace. But deceit, some of you, some of you just have to admit I'm a deceiver. And it's not in big ways, it's in little ways. I've just tried to deceive God into thinking I'm a, a Christian because I just come to show up. But when you bring this to the fast and God breaks it, you're going to look at church differently. You're going to recognize I'm going to come early to pray and expect because I'm part of a family and God has things for me. I'm not just coming to get anymore. I'm coming to give. And that's what God wants to break off in this fast. last two pieces these represent anything if you're struggling with something you say you know what it doesn't seem like those are things I struggle with when you put something on this tablet and you bring it to the Lord for expectation in the fast so at this time we're going to just have a time of prayer at the altar even if it's just for a few minutes you have places to go, that's fine, but please don't leave without taking just a couple minutes to bring this into the fast, whatever it may be. Pastor, if you could come and just pray over us, and as he says amen, you guys are welcome to come forward to get on your face and to believe that God is going to bring breakthrough through one of these things or one of the nameless ones amen. over there. Amen. Can we all stand together? Actually, why don't, why don't we just come forward right now? Why don't we just come forward? Come on, let's, let's do business with God this morning. Come on, this is a holy moment. Come on, this was a great word from the Lord, from the word of God. Come on, people of God, let's, let's, let's just move forward.
Come on. Come on. You know what? Where's, where's the word pride? Pride. You know why some people are not coming forward? Right there, there's where you need to be. Pride. What are people going to think of me? Praise God. Everyone's coming. Amen. Come on, we're, we're dealing with pride this morning. We're humbling ourselves. The scriptures say, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Don't matter what people think. You know, when you've been around so long, you realize all that matters is what God thinks. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Then he's going to lift you up. Come on, this is the beginning of a breakthrough. Come on, this is the beginning. We heard a great word today. Mixed faith. Come on, let's put some, mix some faith with this word. Come on, that's how we get results this morning. Not just hearing, but we mix faith and we say, God, we're moving towards you. God, we're acknowledging sin. We're acknowledging rebellion. We're acknowledging idolatry. We're acknowledging these things in our life. And you know what? The ground is level. We're all in this thing together. There's no one without sin. There's no one that's not struggling or battling with something, but we're declaring 2020, uh, you know, we all fall short, but we don't have to live short. Hello? We all fall short, but we don't have to live short. We get back up, and we believe for the sanctifying influence of God. Come on, let's pray right now. And we're going to sing, and then we're going to pray again. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning, God. Lord, we come humbly before you and even humbly before one another. God, we realize that, that there is no one in this place that doesn't need your grace. There is no one in this place that doesn't need to humble themselves from the preacher, from the front to the back, from the, the pulpit to the pew. God, we all need you this morning. And what a great word. Thank you for, for your word this morning. Thank you for your servant who was obedient in a vessel, God. Thank you for speaking, God. Lord, that this word would stand fast. This word would be sealed in our hearts today. That we would acknowledge our sin. We would repent, God. Ask you to forgive us. Turn from our sin and go in the other di direction toward you. God, break it in the name of Jesus. We speak to every demonic influence in the name of Jesus. Be broken. The deceit, the lies, the deception be broken in the name of Jesus. Every bondage. For this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. God, we believe you today that you are still a deliverer. You are still a healer. You are still the one that breaks bondages. Oh, God, you said in your word, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to set the captive free. Lord, we proclaim freedom to the captives this morning. We, we declare freedom in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 God, right now, let that anointing begin to destroy those yokes. Come on, right now, let the anointing begin to break off things. God, we believe it today. We decree it today. It shall not be like yesterday. It shall not be like last year. It's a new year. It's a new day. Lord, those things we've been struggling with, they're broken in Jesus' name. Those things that have been tormenting.
anointing us. They're broken in Jesus' name. It's a new day. It's a new season. We are going to see a victory. Oh, God, it's coming. It's coming. It's beginning to happen. It's beginning to break. Oh, we feel chains breaking. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing it. Come on, let's sing the word of God. Let's sing the promises of God this morning.